Hi everyone, welcome to the Unity Podcast, brought to you by Unibridge. I am Yun Cheng, your host for today. So before we start, here's a little plug about Unibridge. We are a Singapore overseas education community aimed at bridging the information gap and bringing seniors and juniors closer together. If you would like to join our community, please search us up on Instagram at unibridge underscore sg to find out more. On this episode of the podcast, we are going to be delving into the journey that every guy in SG must go through, national service. In this two-year period between the end of our pre-tertiary schooling till we head to university, what can we do to maximise our time and prepare for life after NS? So joining us today, we have a senior of mine from secondary school, Barnett. Welcome Barnett to our show today. Hello, hi everyone. Uh, Maybe you can uh, give a brief introduction about yourself. Sure. So... I did my national service between uh, the January of 2018 till November 2019. Um, And after completing national service, uh, I applied for a university overseas. And I've also been uh, involved as a software engineering intern uh, at various organizations. Uh, And hopefully next year, uh, fall 2021, I'll be going to the US uh, to study computer engineering. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned that you started NS uh, in January 2018, right? Because uh, from what I understand, you ended A-levels in December 2017, right? Correct, correct. So that's um, one month, just right after A-levels, you, are, you already found yourself in the army. Yeah, I mean, the there really wasn't much time in between that. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. for most people who do A-levels, it's either you, uh, you are the Jan intake or you are the April intake. Um, mm-hmm. So with the Jan intake, it was just really A-levels, take a quick holiday break and then straight into army. <laughs> was it kind of like a huge like culture shock for you? Because uh, from my own experience, right, even though I was like, I'm from the police force, so the, um, the kind of culture shock isn't as big as like jumping straight into army. But right. like, how, how, how were you able to like, kind of like cope with that? And kind of, um, as you were going through BMT, think about, hey, what am I going to do to maximize my time? in these two years? Yeah. Um, I think definitely everyone who enters NS uh, out of school feels a cultural shock because suddenly a lot of freedom is taken away from you Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's all about regimentation and you're expected to, you know, fit into the mold of what a soldier is. Mm -hmm. I think personally for me, um, I didn't really get to um at 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 the very beginning of of ns i was kind of like everyone else extremely shocked but thankfully i I like spending times in the outdoors so that that helped but Mm -hmm. in terms of um kind of adjusting to that new environment for bmt it was i think the most important part for me was just keeping an open mind um I did like try to go in with a mind of like, oh, uh, I want to maximize my time in NS. Having heard stories about how uh, a lot of mm-hmm. time gets wasted, not and that's just a matter of fact because of given how big the military is and you know operations uh, requiring mm-hmm. you know several thousand people. Sometimes there will be delays and and you have to wait around. Um, mm-hmm. So I would do things like bring a book in, which is quite ridiculous, uh. <laughs> um, and. Those kind of little things uh, that I brought in, um, w- on one hand, it did give, did give me a sense of like comfort of like doing what I had done before, you know, um, mm-hmm. in in studies. But like at the same time, it was also it could you could also say that it was it kind of helped me back from just embracing uh, NS altogether. So 
it, in hindsight, if I had kept a bit more of an open mind um, and just like plunge myself, embrace it entirely, maybe that would have been a, a better way to kind of uh, assimilate to the new environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I, I kind of uh, share the same train of thought as well because when I entered um, the police force, right, uh, it was qu- quite a big gap, like big, a big leap from um, JC because none of my friends like from the same school was in the police force mm. um so everyone was different and just busy meeting new people just like learning new new things uh, from drills to to kind of uh mm. like we 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 touched on like law lessons as well yeah i guess the law lesson part was kind of like a, more of uh it gave me a kind of sense of comfort because i'm doing something that i'm familiar with mm. but for you for like for most of the guys out there, when you guys plunge into BMT shit, I, I'm sure that that's like a com- completely different ball game from us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, admittedly in army, we still had quite a lot of uh, lessons, right? I mean, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, with LearnNet, which is the um, e-learning platform that army has, uh, mm-hmm. we were doing things like learning um, uh, the various drills for, for, for the gun. Um, mm. I think also like basic commands and stuff. Um, those things are also being learned. So, so the I mean there is definitely um, <clears throat> uh, academic side to it. Uh, even in army, um, it's just obviously it, in different proportions to to what you expect as a student. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, so after BMT, what what do you um which uni were you posted to? So yeah, my, my story is that um, I went to OCS and um, I was in OCS uh, up to the end of foundation term. Uh, what, mm-hmm. At OCS, it's uh, the joint term, then it's the foundation term, then it's the pro term. I, I think I'm remembering what the, the actual name of the foundation term wrongly, but we'll find out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I kind of, I left uh, due to um, health reasons. Uh, and then oh. from there, I, I was, uh, I became an ammunition technician and balanced that together with doing um, kind of software development um, for one of the colleges in in uh, Safti, the training, the main training institute. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, what what kind of app development was that about? So the app that uh, I developed was. Uh, kind of because I had some computing expertise beforehand. Um, mm. The college uh, had a had a problem which they were having issues um, scheduling um, their classes. So the college actually, this college that I was at is actually very similar to uh, a university because they run multiple concurrent courses at the same time. Mm-hmm. So they need a timetable, uh, and they were using a system of Excel and um, they they couldn't share that info information and like people it was just very difficult for people to collaborate um mm-hmm. like if you take the example of someone will edit a version of the excel sheet and someone else will also edit the version of the excel sheet two people yeah. upload it back to the shared server uh and mm-hmm. there's like no versioning control and then like six weeks later mm-hmm. someone will be like hey how come my lesson didn't change like how i changed you know meant it to change yeah. um so the app was really uh, a scheduling app for these classes um, mm-hmm. and kind of and trying to improve how, how the college ran. Mm-hmm. 
So you were kind of like given the space to kind of um, experiment with that, right? Yeah, I was... Um, obviously, I think I was extremely lucky to have ended up in this position. Um, so what happened was they had the problem at hand. Uh, like one, one, one senior staff there had kind of identified this as an area mm-hmm. for improvement. Uh, and when I was... After I out of course from OCS and I was in that uh, college, I kind of uh, suggested to uh, take on that project uh, and, and mm-hmm. kind of pitch it um, to more stakeholders to kind of gain uh, uh, you know, a greater political will, if, if, <laughs> if you may say so, that, uh, yeah. if I may say so, that, that to, to kind of uh, allow me to spend some time uh, doing that. Uh, and then mm-hmm. from there it was, you know, uh, obviously I had to have an official vocation at the same time. Um, mm. which was in ammunition. Um, um, so then I balanced between these two things. Okay. So because actually from my own experience, um, being in the police force, um, mm. actually I'm not a frontline police officer because right. of health reasons as well. So I was, uh, I have been a staff assistant for like the, kind of like the NSF office. Mm. So a lot of the things that we do, we kind of have to jump through a lot of like bureaucratic um, whole, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, so we, we had to like pass through kind of layers of approvals and mm. um, sometimes it, from my personal experience, it can be quite hard to push for new things, uh, new developments, yeah. especially um, through some of the, um, the injects. Uh. So like, <laughs> how, how, do you actually, yeah, how do you actually manage to kind of, uh, as you say, rally political support uh, for your... This, this is actually quite scary um, because in, in both... Uh, in SAF and in the police force, right? Uh, your power structures are very, very set, right? Like, you, if you are a private, you are private, and if you are a major, you are major, and you, the major obviously has, uh, has authority over the private. So, um, mm-hmm. again, I think I was quite lucky in my circumstance to have um, proposed uh, this um, because at the college they were kind of open to new ideas and mm-hmm. most of the the staff there like uh especially i mean all the, s- the senior staff there are are all uh, lieutenant colonels right so um mm-hmm. they're all quite willing to engage with the nsfs so oh. i think one part of it is having a, a a good environment a supportive environment to do that um mm-hmm. and also the other part is just kind of I suppose somewhat taking a risk and, and kind of putting a foot forward saying that, you know, hey, I think there's this thing that we could uh, do and we could improve and I see there's this solution. Uh, I can mm-hmm. take a bit of my time to kind of work on this um, and I think it'll improve our processes by this much. Uh, do you think mm-hmm. that's something that you would be willing to let me do? Um, so being willing to have that conversation is is key as well. Yeah, it's true. Like, it's actually a lot of times I think for NS, it's really about how we make it out to be. Mm. Like just kind of like the initiative to to like to seize certain opportunities that you that you you may come across. Like for example, for yours, um, your college had like a specific need, and mm. therefore you proposed a solution. And for a lot of my uh, scenarios, it was because like there were certain like planning loopholes here and there, and I kind of helped them, um, like through kind of like uh, coming out of new proposals, coming out of new SOPs, things like that. So mm. it, it's kind of like, um, uh, it's quite important to kind of take that initiative, lah, I would say. 
Yeah, 100% agree. I think, I think, um, at the same time, we also have to be aware, like, it's not always going to be a case of being able to, to find these pockets where you can, you know, uh, push the limits or be, you know, create these new innovations. Like, in, in my mm-hmm. case, I'm quite specific, quite lucky to have done it in, like, a tech space because I had the experience mm-hmm. before and then, like, it just nicely aligned with the problem that they had. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, you mentioned as well the other things, like, looking at um, if an operation can be improved, right? Or, like, SOP can be improved. Like, how do we uh, do our logistics better? How do we store things better? These are all tiny things that people can look at. But mm-hmm. I think it's also important to realize that in NS, a lot of the time is just grunt work <laughs> or just straight up Saikang. Um, yeah. And, and so, obviously, coming in with the expectation that, like, uh, realistically, we are there to kind of do whatever manpower-intensive work. Uh, and mm-hmm. if there is a chance to, to kind of do the extra, go the extra mile, uh, that's good. But, like, if it doesn't happen, uh, don't get too hung up on it either. Mm-hmm. That is true. So, actually, um, moving on from that, right, since we, are, we, have, we have been talking mostly about NS opportunities. So, um, what else did you do during NS to kind of, like, prepare yourself for, like, uni applications per se because i understand that you yeah. actually did your SATs during uh, during ns right yeah yeah so um it's something that if anyone is trying to apply overseas should definitely try to think about um i was kind of behind the curve in terms of applying overseas uh i didn't really think about it during j2 because i was just like let me get my way through a level let me survive a levels first so it didn't really come, uh, I didn't really think about it. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely for anyone out there um, who has yet to enter NS, like if you're J2 now, I know you're damn stressed out, but like you <laughs> probably just spend some time to like spend a, a weekend or two just understanding what the, the whole overseas application process mm-hmm. like, because unfortunately it is quite long. Um, specifically for what I did uh, in terms of uni applications during NS um, to the later half of my second year in NS, which was uh, the end of 2019, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I started doing uh, my SATs and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Quite tricky to do in NS because, uh, you know, you need to study. Uh, you may not always have that environment. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, it's always just looking out for opportunities when, when available. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I, I stayed in camp, <laughs> My, so I was very lucky to, to be in a stay-out unit, but uh, I chose to actually stay in camp because my, my commute to Safti, uh, from home to Safti and Safti back home mm-hmm. is like three hours in total every day. <laughs> so uh, I had to spend, take the time, like ask, can I, get, can I uh, stay in instead and uh, spend that time, mm-hmm. trade it in to, to do some revision and stuff for SATs and mm-hmm. uh yeah, ECT. I took both of the standardized tests. Uh, so wait, you took SATs in uh like around end of uh twenty nineteen, is that right? Yeah, I actually I if I remember correctly, my first attempt was uh at the end of twenty eighteen. So one whole year mm-hmm. beforehand, but I didn't really have time to prepare because uh at that point of time that was just when I was getting my uh app development project for the college started so like you know a lot of very time intense like there's just not enough time to segregate and do do um do something else 
So uh, I did that once, and then obviously because I couldn't make it in time for whatever uh, that that cycle of application, uh, I mm-hmm. spent the next year kind of starting earlier and doing my subject tests and other whatever other tests they were uh, <laughs> much earlier in the cycle. Yeah, actually, like I had I had a similar experience because back in because uh, I enlisted in twenty nineteen like at the start of twenty nineteen, so um, I. Like I took my subject test, SAT subject test, around June when I was already out of um like the BMT phase. Right. Then yeah, so after that, right, I realized that oh, the next um like the main general the general paper for the SAT right was in uh, October, mm, which was yeah. and I was I was actually planning to apply for overseas university at the end of twenty nineteen. So that was like a huge rush. Yeah. Yeah, and I went to I went to take the SATs and I screwed up yeah. <laughs> because, I, <laughs> yeah. because I didn't really prepare for it. So I had to retake it in December, which is like in the same month of uh, like Ooh. the submission. Yeah, and all of the all of the Singapore test centers were full. Yeah, yeah. So I had to go to Malaysia. I had to take like leave. I had to take leave from oh work. Oh my god! And, wow, yeah, it's, it was a damn. It was like a huge hassle. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of work for Cal, dude. <laughs> but worth, but worth it, but worth. <laughs> um, what was I got? I I would say actually, um, one one thing that I realize is, um, in NS, you know, um, we we sometimes might think that it's just a place where like we're doing all this uh grunt work, you know, and and it's um it's easy to forget that actually you. Uh, a lot of your peers may have similar goals as you, um. So it's mm. important to like kind of ask around and, and ask is like you know, if anyone also continue doing these tests and and like forming these little groups together. Uh. Obviously, mm-hmm. not saying that you should uh silo yourself away from all the other NS activities of like you know hanging out yeah. with your your buddies and going for drinks and you know talking <laughs> shit when when there's like a five hour wait um when you're at the range or something mm-hmm. like that. But uh, mm-hmm. like it's. You be I think personally, I was surprised when I found out that actually a lot of my peers were also like trying to do the same thing in the same constraints of NS. I still remember mm-hmm. this really, really um, like I was just so shocked. Um, moment where like I was at I was at ACSI right to mm-hmm. take the SAT right, and this is in the morning, like the test is nine a.m. We're queuing outside at eight, and um long queue. Everyone getting ready to go in right. And I see this guy, right, come out in penguin, which is the, the OCS uniform, right? Like, just walk <laughs> up with his, like, full book out bag. Like, just complete. And I was like, and, like, I was just so shocked. And I went, I went to him and he was like, I was just really curious, like, what's happened. And he was like, he was like, oh, bro, I just came from outfield. And, like, uh, I, I just managed to get a day, uh, managed to use a day of leave to kind of uh, just get this done. I was like, man, that is, that is really mad. Impre- like, that's serious dedication right there. Um, but I mean, it's it. There, there's definitely going to be cases like that because NS and mm-hmm. all this stuff may not play nicely. I mean, you can always communicate it to your to your uh whoever's in charge. But uh, mm-hmm. oftentimes you find that you put be put in really crap situations. So if you have other people to who mm-hmm. kind of share the same sentiment, uh, it kind of makes it less crappy. Yeah, that's true. Um, so. After your applications for overseas uni, right, by the end of 2019, is that, mm. is that right? Correct. Yeah, so um, 
you when when did you ORD? Did you ORD right after? I ORD in November. So uh November twenty nineteen. So I was actually very again here quite I mean everything just kind of played out for me nicely. Um to be honest, I was quite behind in terms of my US application essay writing. Uh, personally, mm-hmm. I don't consider myself a very proficient writer, so uh, I, I I kind of struggled to put words onto onto the page. Um, so after I ORD, I just really spent the next two months, two months, two three months, uh, you know, polishing up um, mm-hmm. essays and gathering whatever application materials. Mm-hmm. Um, did you only apply to the US, or do you apply to both US and UK? Yeah, I applied to US and UK. Um. I applied to yeah a number of places in the US, a uh, number of places in the UK, and I actually also applied to Finland. <laughs> oh wow! Um, this I I kind of my my hypothesis around the whole university thing is that it's really a numbers game. Uh. Um, mm-hmm. personally, that's how I feel about the US at the moment. Um, it's really about uh sending a lot of applications. I mean I have I have peers um who who do like maybe only like four applications or so. But the general consensus I get from most others that I speak to is that um you know the they would have liked to apply to more um schools if possible or like they, they felt like they had better odds, better outcomes if they applied to more schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah that that's that's kind of very that's oh. very true actually because mm. uh for me right I applied to, if I'm not wrong, nine schools. Right. Which is, like right. The, which is the, the limit. Ma- <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, don't come after hour. me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, by the way, for our audience, right, uh, ECG is like the Education Career Guidance Office um, back in our uh, JC. Yeah, so um, we had to go through them for our applications and uh, they kind of set a cap of, I think it w- maybe it was eight or nine schools. Hmm. Yeah, so we had to work um, within that cap. Yeah, and... Um, what happened was I applied for nine schools, but I applied for computer science, which is something that I haven't done prior to uh, applying. So I, I haven't really done much coding. There. I really like, didn't have much of a portfolio. Hmm. It, was, uh, it was literally, as like what you said, a numbers game. Like I literally just applied to every single school and every single school rejected me <laughs> except for... Oh, uh, good for you, man. Yeah, so... I mean, I'm not complaining because Berkeley is like one of the uh, one of the better schools for comp science. So, dude, it's not one of the better schools. It is the one of the best, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so um, literally, it's really a blessing. Yeah. So, um, I was really lucky and like like what you say, like, I think we you if you have the chance to do so, just try to apply to more. Yeah. To yeah. Try, mm-hmm. I think another thing. I I don't know whether you experienced this. Um, with the writing process, but like, um, usually how the deadlines work is uh, most of them are around the like first uh, week of of the year, right? So um, most deadlines will be like third. Want to hear more about Barnett's insights into the overseas university application process during NS, as well as his exciting experiences post NS? Stay tuned for the next episode of the podcast to find out more. And to our audience, if you'd like to hear more of these stories, be sure to stay tuned to our future episodes of Unity. And if you'd like to connect with more seniors and learn more about all things related to studying overseas, do feel free to join our Unibridge community on Telegram. See you guys again in the next episode of our podcast. Bye!
Thank you.